Okay, so this is a segment about universal basic innovation and how I believe it's far superior to universal basic income. We start off with the first point of argument that the price of everything is not set to change. money to try to create an equal basis, right? That's what universal aspect of universal basic innovation stands for. It's like, you know, it's, it's for everybody. It's unconditional. These sorts of things. Perfectly understandable to want to have something that can kind of even the playing field. Universal basic innovation really isn't universal because the cost of things aren't the same everywhere. You know, cost of living varies depending on where you are. And so, who's are we going to give everybody the same amount of money? Okay, well, then that doesn't give everybody the same advantage, does it? Because the cost of everything for those people is going to be different based on where they live. So, are you really giving people an advantage or? you continuing to increase the gap of disadvantage. And that's you know, the fundamental flaw with it is that you know, the cost of things are not equal. And so giving people an equal amount of money does nothing to improve their circumstances. It just adds an extra layer of variable to it. It now says, okay, you have this much money, what can you do with it? It doesn't solve a problem, it just gives people something else that they have to account for in their variables. And that to me seems like it's a potentially bad thing because then people are going to be able to make more poor choices. A lot of the reason why we have problems in the world is because people make poor choices. And it's those poor choices that affect other people and, you know, lead to more poor choices. So I understand the concept of giving people money and, like, giving people choices, but you're not giving them any lessons as far as, like, how to make appropriate choices. It's kind of like teaching in a school, right, a subject. You're teaching about economics. And going through a book and handing out some worksheets and testing somebody to see if they retain the knowledge of those books doesn't give them real-world applicability. And so when they go off and they try to apply this knowledge in their lives, they, they have to find some other outside stimulus that says we're looking for 
simple application <clears throat> already shows them how to do it. You know what I'm saying? You know, get the book so you can get a deep understanding. Yes. But don't use that as the basis of more useful information. And it's the same thing with giving people money. It's like giving people knowledge but no wisdom as to how that knowledge can be applied. You know? And then people have to tell people more about the Canadian exploitation, right? The especially in a capitalistic society where a lot of you know the machine of progress is based off of what consumers buy. Because in time that's what the world becomes. And so businesses work with a lot of influence and sway for how the world changes because they influence how people make their decisions as far as like how they're going to consume things and how they're going to invest their money and their value, time, and attention. And so really what you're doing when you see the universal basis income is you're giving businesses more power to manipulate people to tell them what they should be spending money on, what they should be investing time in. improve their condition as far as the, the human condition, right? It, it helps their health status. And you know, that serves the purpose of helping them to, to just maintain that level of health which they will be able to afford. It doesn't lead them to have a healthier life. You know, yes, having the medication that you need, let's say you're diabetic and you need insulin and you can't afford it. Universal basic income will give you a means to be able to afford that. So you're still diabetic, you have the income, and now you can get into the future. So without the income, you just can't afford the medicine. And because you have to spend all this money on your your medication, which you know already is itself is debilitating. It's a huge disadvantage in, you know, the world. You're also further, you know, disadvantaged because you can't invest that money into something that's going to actually make the rest of your life more improved. So you're not going to be
benefit of I guess allowing
identifying more accessible to other people, the problem exists in the fact that people have a barrier to their ability to be able to afford it, to be able to invest for the businesses, to be able to take that investment to turn it into future productivity. This means that they can't make it more accessible to more people. There's no push. It then becomes businesses are forced to, you know, advertise their system to those people who do have money and hope that they've convinced them that this is a worthwhile cause to invest their money in. And so businesses are spending a lot of their time, you know, holding out the cup of alms, like alms, alms, you know, asking for that support from these people and, you know, giving them the incentive, hey, we have this great product that we're developing, we will benefit your life in these ways, you know. So there's, there's an incentive for you to be able to become involved in this and to invest your, your, your money into this new line of utility. You know, this, this innovation that's going to improve your life in X, Y, and Z ways. But the problem is, is again, you know, people don't necessarily look at innovations that are going to improve their lifestyles as something that they're going to spend their money on. They feel that it's an investment. And if that investment's too cost prohibitive, it's they have to continue to save money before they can get into position to be able to invest and be able to benefit. And then they look at their current situation and they're like, well, I could use that money for all these other things that are holding me down, you know? And then it comes into the case of like, I can't afford solar panels. So I know affording solar panels is going to reduce the cost of my utility bill, but I have to pay for my utility bill, which means that I can't afford to save the money to be able to buy the innovation that will make sure that my utility bill goes down, where then I only have to spend a small portion of what I used to for my utilities. This frees up a large portion of my income to invest in other things, and then I have a little less worry in my life because I'm secure in my energy source. I have energy that I can use, it's reliable and it's consistent and it's readily available. And so when you look at like all the benefits of having the technology and the innovation, you know, incorporated into their daily lives will in turn like pay for itself in time, it just does. So people don't have the means to, for that initial investment. And sure, getting a thousand dollars a month, if you know, I, it was just an extra thousand dollars a month and I had everything else already taken care of, I could probably invest in something like that, which in turn would allow me to be able to have, you know, in time, more comfort. This is how people with money invest, you know, their excess money, invest their excess money so that they can save more money. So that benefits those type of people, but it's not benefiting the people who have no means of access, right? They, they will continue to be stuck in this perpetual, sicilic, you know, repetitious, you know, doldrum of this constant doing things that one way because that's all they can afford to do. They don't have the, the economic means, means to participate in society's, you know, beneficial innovations. And that's where our problem exists. It's not that people don't have money, they, ha they lack the capacity to participate in those things that would help to add value to their lives. And, and when we overcome the obstacle of, instead of looking at money as like your income, right? Think of your money as your savings. You know, it's, it's what you have to save or invest in. And when you invest in something, you're investing in it so that it can save 
And so, what do you think about having a certain amount of money, only, you know, having that $1,000 a month to be able to invest, leaves you in a position of now having to choose what's best to spend your money on. And then it comes down to, you know, behaviors, you know, learned behaviors, and then the susceptibility of influence from outside forces, such as like marketing and advertising, saying this is the best, latest and greatest thing, you know? And then it comes down to a lot of people base their decisions on the cost of something opposed to the value and the reliability of it. And, and how that's going to bring value to their lives to improve their human condition. Um, it's like the concept of a pair of shoes. A quality, reliable pair of shoes. One that is well-made, uh, tailored to fit your feet very nicely. Um, they, uh, it has been, you know, innovated to withstand your constant uh, use, wear, and tear to the point where it'll last you a really long time. This is an investment in a pair of shoes that has really long life and longevity, right? And so you invest in those shoes now, today, and, and they'll last you five years. You know, if you, you maintain them and you take care of them, you know, they, they'll take care of you. And meaning that you only have to make that one initial investment and it benefits you for five years, it's a good lifespan, right? But the problem is, is that those shoes are like $500. And granted, that's like spending $100 a year for the next five years would give you about the same length and longevity. But then you think about, well, that means if I buy a $100 pair of shoes today, that's only going to last me for a year because it's not made with the same quality and, and reliability as this $500 pair of shoes. It means every year I have to stop what I'm doing invest my valuable time and attention and go out and consider and contemplate what shoe I'm going to buy now and understanding that I only have a hundred dollars to spend so I'm not going to be able to go and buy that five hundred dollar pair of shoes that I know is going to one one and done for the next five years I buy it once and I'm done for the next five years I know I'm going to only be able to afford the one that's going to last me to get me through the year and so in the long run, when you break it down in those terms, you're like, wow, I could save myself so much just by buying these shoes, but I don't have the $500 today to invest in it. I only have the $100. And you're like, I know I'll have $100 next year to be able to invest, and $100 next year to be able to invest, and $100 next year to be able to invest. And eventually, I would be spending the same amount of money when it comes down to it, but today I don't have that $500. And so we make the choice and the decision on what we purchase, not based off of what would be good for us, what would add value in the ways that we would want to have value, not in the things that could save us, you know, our valuable time and attention and energy, but those things that we can afford in the present tense. So in the sense, if I had $1,000, I could surely use that money to be able to invest in that shoe and 
you know, be able to go on my merry way with my pair of shoes that I don't have to buy again for another five years. In those ways, income definitely benefits us. If that money's coming in, I know that it can go out and I don't have to worry about having only a limited amount of money. I would have a little bit more to be able to invest in a little bit more things. But then let's look in the context of, you know, in investing in solar panels. I know that I pay my electric bill every month. My electric bill every month is $300. If I had solar panels, I would be able to save myself in time. I would be able to save myself $200, use the same amount of energy, but be able to save $200 off of what I initially would have spent for electricity. So this no longer is about income coming in. It's about no longer having certain income going out. But the cost of solar panels costs you, right? If it costs you $100 a month, opposed to $300 a month, to pay for your solar system and pay for the electricity that you use, you know, that you tap out of this solar system, which basically is free, but what you're paying for is the innovation that helps you to access the free energy of the sun, right? Not charging for the energy from the sun, we're charging for the utility the uh, innovation, the utility innovation that provides access to tap into the sun to convert it and use it into energy, which costs a lot less than paying for the system of it, you know, this filthy process, and then all these power lines that have to drag the power to you, and a lot of infrastructure, a lot of innovation, and a lot of um, maintenance and repair and a lot of logistics and a lot of administration all these things cost a lot of money and it's broken up into different people kind of like a co-op you know we're all sharing in the overall cost of this enormous tremendous system and it's you know broken down to like what you use and also on top of it the fees and your rate is based off of, you know, our kind of shared responsibility of, of paying for this. Whereas with the rate for solar is based off of, you know, the overall cost of just maintaining the system itself um, for your individual use opposed to like an infrastructure use. So the cost is down a whole lot because you don't have to maintain these huge systems. It's just a small system, right? But the trouble is I don't have the, let's say it costs $10,000 to install and to set up a solar system at your house and I don't have that initial money to be able to pay for it so that means that even though I would save out of that $200 a month less of the electric bill that I would be spending in I would be saving $200 a month by using the solar and could invest that, which I would have spent on my electric bill to pay for the system. I still don't have that money today, and that's keeping me from being able to access it. And the trouble is, you could give me a thousand dollars, but that thousand dollars isn't going to be able to get me access to that system. 
sure, it would say, if you give me $1,000 a month, and that was on top of everything else that I already make in society, I could, in five months, or ten months, right, be able to invest into that system. But I'm still having to spend money on the system. So, you know, of course, on, on the old system of electricity, so of course, you know, it comes down to, <clears throat> like, leasing the system. Where it says, you know, here's the overall cost over <clears throat> ownership of 10 years, and we're going to break it down to a monthly price of this much, and then you can pay into that. Not only your service, but also for the innovation, you know, lease of the innovation. And, you know, that makes it more accessible. But then that comes down to, well, you have, it's all based off of a credit system that everybody's credit's messed up in one way or another. That's an ineffectual system in itself. And then also based off of your ability to be able to afford to pay for it. So sure, having an income every month would be able to make it so, hey, look, all of a sudden I can qualify for the uh, income requirements, right, to be able to get this system. And I can start using it and it allows me to be able to, you know, tap into that system and eventually in time the system pays for itself, right? And it pays back the, the lease amount, which, you know, companies create and, and you know, they, it's basically like giving you a loan. And the, the problem, the point I'm getting to is there's a problem with this system. Is because it neither incentivizes the company to improve upon the innovation to make it more effective and, and affordable to people. It continues to say, well, here's a for-profit scheme through which we can, you know, access money from people. And we have no real drive to improve that system or make it more affordable because we just know that people have money. And then it also goes into, well, just because people have money doesn't mean that they're going to spend it on that solar system. You know, like they may not see the immediate reward, which is what most people are looking for, is that immediate reward. They'd have to be convinced, oh, it's going to bring value into your life and just, you know, uh, stick with it with persistence and then eventually it's going to pay off in time. Like, people don't necessarily think that way. They have to be convinced of the value. And I believe that's a lot of the reason why sustainability isn't, you know, more widely accepted is because there's so much of an initial investment. People don't like making big purchases, you know. Um, even if it has later gains, some people can, you know, use the, you know, critical thinking to you know, justify it in their reasoning, but not everybody can. And some people, it comes into like the daily decision of like, you know, I would really like to invest in this solar system because I can see the benefits. Sure. But I have an extra thousand dollars in my pocket and my insulin is going to cost me 500 And, you know, that no longer puts me in a bracket of being able to afford that solar system. But, hey, I'll have my medicine. And so you see, again, it comes down to the, the universal basic income was supposed to make it so that these people can access these things that will incre in increase the value in their lives while reducing the cost of living. But it doesn't. It doesn't do that for everybody because everybody has different costs in their life. 
you know, and the cost for solar panels is different based off of the company you access it from and who ends up installing it and what area you're in and the local regulations, like all these things are in the system built in to making it so that it's just not the same everywhere. You cannot create a blanket generalization by saying, I'm going to give you universal basic income and that's going to be able to improve the quality of your life. What it's going to do is it's going to, to allow me to make a decision based off of, you know, what's most important in my immediate circumstance. And I get it. That, that's a, a great thing to give to give people more empowerment in the sense that they have the capacity to make more decisions, you know, and better decisions. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they're making informed decisions. And if our intention as a collective society, like if we're going to collectively decide as a society, we are all going to willingly subject ourselves to taxation that would allow for everyone to be able to access a universal basic income that we could all utilize however we so choose, then we're all subjecting ourselves to this, this, you know, mutual agreement for mutual benefit. And the benefit is not equal, but it's mutual. Like, we all have this fund that we can tap into and utilize as we see fit. But on the side of it, it's like, how can you justify doing that? Because there's always going to be this, you know, undermining socialist theme that, that nags at people to say, well, I don't like the idea of giving somebody, you know, taxing my hard-earned money to give somebody money that they're just going to spend on alcohol or drugs or they're going to spend it in a way that I don't see is fit or they're going to use it to be, you know, do something bad. Like there's always that potential because, you know, you you don't get to make the decisions for the people, right? You're not influencing how they're using this money. You're just influencing the, their capacity to make decisions. You're giving them more opportunity to make decisions, but you're not giving them any incentive base, any, any logical base to make good decisions. And as a society, a collective society, mutual security, mutual empowerment is to say that we, we all are all agreeing to, you know, the, the same standard of values, right? It's not imposing your beliefs on somebody and saying this is what everybody has to believe. What it's doing is it's agreeing that we're all going to use the same standard by which we evaluate the collective value of our resources as a collective group of people. We're all going to join together. We all have something to give and benefit, you know, and our active participation and contribution is going to benefit us all in some way. You know, that's like what the concept of work is. You're going out to work and you get a benefit of income, you know, and in that sense, I don't feel that it's right to say that what we're giving people is opportunity to make more bad choices. Do you see what I'm getting at here? Is that you're not empowering 
in incentivizing the type of change that we wish to see, that vision of what is to come based off of the, the decisions that we make, the collective decisions that we make, right, that are going to benefit us all, benefit everybody involved. You're not giving us that, that structure uh, of society, that collective agreement, that mutual reciprocity, that mutual security, that mutual interest. Um, you're just giving us a, a handout, the same handout. And the thing is, like, there is no cookie-cutter solution to any problem. So I don't see how a, a cookie-cutter uh, income is going to solve anything. You know, It's leaving it to the people to figure out what their own problems are and, and to be able to solve those problems in hopes that it's going to have some sort of collective benefit because we're collectively contributing our resources so that we can all tap into it in, in this way where we say, okay, all in the honeypot, and then we all get to take $1,000 out, right? I don't feel that that's the appropriate investment of our collective contributions and participations. Whereas a universal basic innovation, which is what I advocate for, is to say universally, meaning all, you know, nothing outside of it because it exists whole in, in its entirety. Um, of all things there's there's nobody that's outside of this and that there's no conditions placed upon it to say that only in this circumstance and only in this occasion and only under these terms and conditions does this apply there, the universal aspect removes that right and the basic which is saying you know <clears throat> what is the basic value that that we're basing the the value which we're we're basing our our mutual agreement upon that this is a good idea this is what we should be doing and this is what we should be implementing within society well the basis of that is is a collective resource value and when we look at the world and the things that matter to us what matters to us is to be able to live an ever more healthy sustainable just and peaceful world you know we may not necessarily go about our daily lives living that way because we don't have a lot of those aspects equally distributed among us not all of us are healthy or living in healthy environments not all of us have access to sustainability a lot of us struggle you know day to day or paycheck to paycheck justice is not just it's not fair it's not equal. There is no balance between it because there's these overarching powers within society that are skewed and manipulated easily by, you know, those with self-interest that have more capacity and more power and powered more than even a group of people would be. So justice is a really relative term and it's not based off of fairness, it's based off of the interpretation and justifications of why something happens and the reason why we're going to allow. It's, you know, 
about allowances and, and privileges and not about I guess tastes and aversions you know what, what, what would be an appropriate thing for society what would not be an appropriate thing for society and then the balance in between it the actual true justice is to say how do we align back in accord where it's going to be what's appropriate for society you know rather than what's inappropriate for society and the trouble being that it's not necessarily based off of those sorts of things it's based off of these other forms of evaluation that end up bringing um, potentials for exploitation into it You can't say that it's just or fair for an individual who has disadvantages based off of where they were born or who they were born to or, you know, the color of their skin, their socioeconomic status. These sorts of things are all disadvantages in the grand scheme and play of society. Um, and a lot of those things determine whether or not justice is served to you, you know? And so by defeating those disadvantages, we're rising the occasion for justice to be more balanced with the true mutual agreement of what is appropriate and what is not appropriate in society, right? Exploitation is not appropriate, but our current justice system is steeped in exploitation. And exploitation is based off of disadvantages, it's weak points, and, and it's a power struggle and in a control drama and and all of those things lead to you know one person feeling that they have to take from another in order to gain and you know that creates a, a behavioral reaction within society that people act upon you know and, and then they feel like they have to assume a control drama and just in order to feel that they have self-control and they will impose their their beliefs or they'll impose their their you know power on other people or their views on other people and then expect those people to oblige them with agreement and if they don't then there's consequence and the consequence comes from their power and, and their authority to be able to inflict upon the person of of disadvantage and the control drama uh, some stealing away of their energy or their power or their attention or their time, you know, these things that are really valuable to individuals, you know. You can draw out an argument in court for a very long period of time to the point where, you, you know, you, you just kind of make it so that the person who has less money eventually has to give up because they can't afford to keep fighting. 
that doesn't mean that the the ruling or the outcome which says oh well you can't keep fighting so you know i guess you lose it doesn't mean that that was the right decision to bring justice bring things back into accord with what is appropriate and what is inappropriate in society um it basically is just playing off of these power and control systems which again come off of disadvantages which are a play on weaknesses and so society can't be just if we're a society that's filled with these disadvantages on this socio-techno-economic scale where innovations would be able to bring people up to a base standard baseline standard of living where um, at least at that level there is um, an establishment of balance and from that that balance which says you know what is in the best interest of everybody which serves the best interest of everybody would never conflict with that baseline standard right and so then that gives us a basis to be able to interpret what justice truly is um, in the terms and conditions of society and you can't base justice off of some you know religious belief and you can't base it off of some um legal interpretation because again those are interpretations um it has to be based off of what is substantial in the world what is it that we're trying to preserve with this justice and innovation gives us a basis a baseline standard by which that we can weigh and measure society's collective agreement of what is appropriate and what's not appropriate and that can be applied to all things. That doesn't mean that that's the only consideration. It just means that 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 is a baseline standard from which all considerations can be developed from. It's removing that weakness and potential for exploitation. And then innovation also goes into the realm of active participation and contribution to society. It empowers individuals to be able to involve themselves in the things that are going to be able to affect positive outcomes that everyone benefits from. It helps us to be able to develop um, better resources that which we can share with everyone. Um, and I definitely want to say that this isn't saying that like capitalism doesn't work. Capitalism is great when it's put to its proper intended use. Capitalism is, is a machine, it's an engine that runs the world. And it pushes us to be able to, you know, develop what it is that we as a society are going to invest ourselves in. But capitalism, in the sense of what we're doing, is trying to profit off of profit, then that's not the proper intended use. Capitalism is meant to benefit the well-being of society. It's to say that we are going to invent this new something, product, service, innovation, and people are going to actively participate and, and contribute to the further development of that innovation so it can further develop value in their lives and we can continue to produce that for other people 
and extend that to other people who will have, you know, same or similar benefits. And the thing about capitalism that is so great compared to, like, in the sense of, like, a democratic situation is that um, the innovation itself sells itself, right? There's, there's no need to convince people of its value. If you can see the value, you can participate in the value, you see how your involvement in it and your agreement to use it benefits your life in these ways. It's, it's that immediate reward system that we all look for. You know, that's human, basic human element behavioral issues that we have. It's like we need that instant gratification, that instant satisfaction, that instant, you know, reward. And we get that when we invest in, in participation and contribution into society. Whereas in the democratic sense, it's like this constant argument of um, what's best for everyone. And, but we've already established what's best for one person isn't best for everyone. Unless you break it down to those base, right, basic fundamentals of, you know, quality of life living for everyone. If we don't have to worry about uh, somebody living in poverty, then we don't have to have the philanthropic you know, structures and organizations that support that. We have now time to invest in other things. If we don't have to worry about somebody going hungry, we don't have to worry about creating this whole structural social systems that support these poor, helpless people who have no food. We now know that they have food. They have that basic innovation. We can focus on striving for higher things. So it's taking away the, the weakness or the exploitation and then the poor me aspects of like, let's fix these problems for these people. And then we create a whole entire system of fixing those problems for people, which is what that, that democratic kind of um, system is, is to say like, hey, everybody, we all got problems and let's all work on fixing them in these social constructs, right? Rather than, and, and I'm not trying to say that democracy is entirely useless um, but what it does is gives us this you know understanding that we're in that mutual agreement with each other right and that not one person is making the decision but all of us are so that's where the the benefit of that comes in but it needs to be infused with the concept of capitalism it's like I would rather capitalism influence our decision-making than to have the, the democratic you know, governance influencing our decision-making. The democratic side of it should be agreeing that uh, these are our values and these are our intentions, but then the capitalistic society is what is determining what our options are, right? What are our choices? How do we go about accomplishing that? Because if you give it to governments to make the decision of what our options are going to be, it's going to be limited based off of how they can control the situation with their limited advantage, their limited access, their limited, you know, reach. And then it becomes, you know, based off of the government needing to control the situation. And then in that control, that's where they bring in their terms and their conditions, right? And then it no longer becomes something that's universally applicable to people. 
it's only applicable under their terms and conditions. And then everybody has to fall in line with that. And if you're not in agreement with that, then you're out of agreement with that. And then we have discord and disarray because people have, have different interests and different value systems. You know, one person might be ardently against guns, and so 2A is not a valuable constitutional, you know, amendment. But somebody who, you know, appreciates guns would hold 2A in high regard. So when you think about the, the capacity for, for government to really do the right thing for collective society, it's just not there. It doesn't have the capacity to do it alone. What it does is it helps to provide governance, right? That balance. That balance between, alright, we're a collective society, but we're also a collective society with a purpose, right? We are, we're here for mutual security, mutual interest, mutual agreement. And, and we're serving to the ends that we would like to continue to have a great place to live. We would like to continue to be able to appreciate our freedoms and our liberties, which freedom and liberty require us to have less and less of this authority governing us. So government's not supposed to be about authority. It's about that, that, that governance, that good balance between people making the right decisions and people being given the right choices, you know, or I guess turn that around. People being able, being given opportunity to make the right decisions, and then people actually making the right choices. And for those decisions and those choices both to be on the scale of collective mutual agreement, you know, it's like we the people, you know. We invest in and we stake on, we take our mutual wealth and, and we invest it in our mutual security, that sort of thing. And this is, you know, where I feel America has a great advantage because we already have that language drawn out in our constitution, which is just our governing document, right? Um, but governments themselves try to micromanage the people and then that's where we have all these problems coming in. And, you know, a lot of it comes from, well, people in society are fed up with the disparities and, um, you know, they cry out for control. And the government, instead of giving people their own power to control themselves, are trying to control and micromanage them, you know? That's not leadership and, and, and that's not advantaging anybody. It's putting us in a position of disadvantage. It's putting us in a position of weakness is disenfranchising and disempowering and and it's disassociating ourselves from from who we're supposed to be like in our governing documents you know the the declaration of independence and and the constitution of the united states says that you know we the people of the united states in order to form a more perfect union and establish justice, to ensure domestic tranquility and to provide for the common defense and to promote the general welfare and to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and to our posterity. 
ordain and establish the Constitution of the United States. Those are powerful words, words that's saying in it, like, listen, everybody. Like, we know we're in this together, and, and we can't affect change alone. And we're not going to secure ourselves against these tyrants who are trying to come over and micromanage the shit out of our entire system. And then disempowering us to the point where we're not even able to, uh, you know, make our own laws of our own choosing and and we're forced to pay taxes into a system of something that does not even directly benefit us in any way and we're paying for something that somebody else says is important but there is no true intrinsic value to it for the collective we become enslaved to that system like our governing documents say no listen we're not we're not about that anymore. We're not about allowing people to continue to exploit and, and, and manipulate and, and take advantage of us and, and disenfranchise us and, and, and weaken us in our capacity so that they can exploit us. We're not handling that anymore. And I believe that the, the living, breathing document of the Constitution is an evolution that those, those guidelines are something that we can apply to our everyday life, but we haven't done so in the sense where we have used that to, to do the ultimate intention that was established in the Declaration of Independence, which is to say that, you know, we declare ourselves free and independent. You know, we, we submit ourselves and, and our lives and our wealth and our posterity to, to each other. We invest that, you know, um, and we submit ourselves to that collective mutual relationship and society doesn't so in considering how universal basic innovation can be implemented in society and therefore benefit the collective interest is to say give access to innovations that can be imparted into the lives of the individual to improve their lifestyle that empowers them to become self-sufficient, self-sustaining, free and independent people. So the idea of taxing collective society so that we can use that resource to invest innovations in the lives of the people. Thus empowering them to be independent and self-sufficient and self-reliant. welfare in the sense of uh, systems that help those people who are living in poverty 
what this does is it, it eliminates the need for that because the people will be taken care of and they'll be taking care of themselves so there isn't anybody there that has to sit there and micromanage them and be a caseworker and turning this into a case issue that you know somebody outside has to deal with it it empowers the individual to have self-reliance and it enables the individual to be able to take risks for higher things which leads them to become more self-sufficient and the idea is um, incorporating technologies which provide power access to people sustainable power accessible to everybody so that they can have the power that they need to live in a technologically advanced society which is what we're trying to become and so that people have the utility of, of energy without it costing them the initial investment and without it costing them you know constant bills to have to maintain it just provides it to them and now that they don't have to worry about that like I have energy taken care of I have a means to power my home well, then you look at the fact that, well, not everybody has a home. Giving people an a innovative housing alternative. Would empower those individuals to not have to worry about keeping a roof over their head. They have a roof over their head. And they also have the energy to run the household and to live in a comfortable, clean, healthy environment. And when you get that, I mean, there's of course all these great benefits to that because you become products and elements of the environments that you live in. If you have a, a home that you can cultivate as a home life, you know, not just a house, but like a home, a place that you can belong and a place that you can, you know, experiment with who you are and, and come to know who you are, feel safe and secure in, in your place in this world. It gives you more strength and, and empowerment to go out and to face the world. And so you have the security of housing. You have the security of, of utility in the form of energy then you go in the realm of well uh, the other elements of utility which include appliances so incorporating lifestyle convenience appliances such as uh, food preservation that's a big one if you're able to store food in your home then you don't have to leave every day to forage for food you know that was process of evolvement, right? We evolved into creatures that had to go out and hunt every day to people that can go buy groceries at a store 
that'll last a whole week and store it in our homes. And then that's one last thing we have to worry about every day, right? Freed us up to be able to take advantage of higher things. And when you think about how you know, like the dishes that it takes to prepare a meal. Because cooking is a messy thing. It is, because you're you're taking something and, and you're you know, applying some process to it of of change that, you know, has some desired end result in it. Like the tools that you use them on the way they, they get messy. They tend to get messy because they're being used. And so you need to clean those. And then you think about like uh, dishwash washing processes. Improving upon, you know, the regular concept of like how we go about cleaning things there's so much room for improvement in there right now as it is we, we waste water to clean things when water really isn't necessary at least not in the degree that we use it in um, when you think about uh, filling an entire sink right to scrub dishes inside of this and really all you're doing is just you know, removing the residue from use um, and, you know, rinsing it away. Um, you know, you, one side of the sink with soapy water to scrub to get everything off and then another side to be able to rinse off the, you know, the remnants of the residue and then the soap that we used and, and then the system of drying. And in this sense, that can be approved upon because in the case of like steam can improve the capacity for somebody to um, clean and sanitize using a small amount of water. And then even when you think about it, uh, there's other resources such as air, which is far more abundant, um, that can be used to, you know, eliminate residues and to also sterilize. Um, and so when you think about that, by imparting a means for individuals to be able to clean their dishes um, in a way where they can just kind of like set it and forget it, right? You put it in the dishwasher, the dishwasher takes care of the cleaning for you, and then you can go off and, and do other things. It makes the whole cooking process be that much easier. Probably entices people to cook more because it's not such a chore, you know, to clean up afterwards. Um, and it frees up time because you're not sitting there having to scrub those by hand in the sink. Um, you know, dishwashers already exist, but they exist in a way that requires a lot of power and it requires a lot of water. And those are two resources that have rooms for efficiencies to be built into the systems that utilize those two resources that give a better output and result. And then again, incorporating another element of resource, so it's, you know, air, water, and energy, um, and, you know, electricity in the right combinations, right, produces a more innovative approach to achieving the same end result. And if I can free up my time to just set it and forget it with the dishes, then I have 
more time to spend doing other things. And the same thing goes for like even cooking food and preparing food. Like if you didn't want to sit there and chop onions, there's ways to improve that, that process. You know, there's ways to be able to create a very efficient food preparation and, and food cooking um, process in, you know, appliances that use minimal electricity and minimal space and minimal, like, human interaction to be able to, you know, actually process the meal. So you're saving people time, and the two most valuable things are time and attention and, and the greatest outcome from in, in tapping into the resource of time and attention is the great resource of human ingenuity when humans have more time more attention to be able to spend on you know striving for higher things or solving bigger problems because you don't have to deal with the menial tasks then you get greater uh levels of, of, you know, actual problems being solved. And so, you know, thinking about our, our daily living can be improved to such supreme efficiency that really makes life no longer a chore, that like your home life, right, can be improved with such efficiency that you're no longer required to involve yourself with menial chores. You, you have free time, right? You can invest in other things. Then you go into the idea that, well, these convenience products, these innovations are instilled into the lives of the individual, imparted into the lives of the individual, and you're instilling them with a uh, renewed uh, capacity for their resources, uh, then you're opening them up to be able to, you know, again, take risks for higher things, and to be able to apply themselves to new, new things. Now, then you go to the, as the other aspect of it of, you know, your home life now, instead of maintaining a home being an overabundance of, of uh, uh, depletion of, of your capacities and resources, you now are empowered because, you know, it takes less to maintain a home. And now you can spend more time cultivating a home life experience. You know, you can have more time to be entertained while you're at home and cultivate a home life, cultivate relationships with your family that are about investing your valuable time and attention with each other and, and helping each other to, to be able to uh, grow as individuals and grow in our, in our connections. And, and those things are what hold more value in it than, you know, than any of the, the, the frivolities that we might, you know, apply ourselves to. Um, I guess the idea is that we would have the time to be able to spend as a family to cultivate our, our collective 
evolution. Like, I as myself can evolve while helping my children evolve at the same time, which broadens our opportunities of, you know, active growth and development and these other aspects of our lives. It gives us a sense of security, you know, mutual security within our imparted in the lives of the individual, which then affects their, you know, those in closest proximity, which is their family, and then on to their friends and their extended families, and broadening out in, into your neighborhoods and then into your communities and into your, you know, your regions and in your states and, you know, and into a collective country and then looking at ourselves in this, you know, world view of one collective human family, like, each individual that has benefited benefits everybody else in turn and eventually, eventually, and in time, and in these, these little ways, these little significant ways we add to our own significance, that adds to the significance of others and builds upon and it improves the overall quality of the, the values that we share. And so, you, those are just examples of ways that we can improve the human condition by empowering the human element to be more active participants and contributors to, to their life and to collective society and all for the great benefit of now it's no longer about an argument of who's right or who's wrong about you know doing things in society that's going to benefit us it's now like we are imparting the capacity for everybody to live in a way that would be sustainable which benefits the environment all the animals every person benefits from this and benefits us in the ways that it adds mutual benefit for, and, and it's good for all people involved and it creates a different form of advantages that we can play on it's not advantages based off of the disadvantages of other people and exploitations um, but rather the, the advantages of improving our chances for, for succeeding at a, uh, a positive development moving forward in the future, such as, for instance, um, now having a, a secure, stable housing with the utilities that are necessary to run that house um, in, in supreme efficiency, um, in, in a way that is sustainable, that it's not dependent on, um, like, uh, dirty, polluting energy, or it's not um, dependent on um, completely destroying a, an ecosystem in order to develop an area for, you know, humans to come in and live, um, but finding a way for it to be, um, you know, a part of the ecosystem in, in a beneficial way. Um, you see the great benefits for our environment because we're no longer um, encroaching with this 
this unnatural way of life but what we're adapting into a more natural way of living which is in tune with tapping into the vital resources that planet earth has to offer I mean, there's abundance everywhere what there's lacking is capacity to tap into those resources and to utilize them to our advantage in a way that you know where everybody benefits from it you know it's based off of the the corporations being able to go with their massive amounts of money and just you know plow down an, an existing area and build up an entirely new system and it's a means for them to be able to to pump out you know some product that they're going to exchange in return for money profits that gives them more power to go out and do this to some other place there's no social responsibility in their decision making when it's based off of a for-profit system but if these people were given the incentive like hey corporations we need companies to be able to build innovations that are sustainable that we can provide to all people to improve their lives get us all living in a sustainable world you know you provide the products we'll provide the means to be able to you know pay for those products that ensures that it gets to the people and not in a way that we're providing subsidy to the company to say here go develop this product and then you know you'll have something that people can go and buy it says that the individual is going to be empowered with the capacity to be able to utilize the resources that you create and you are going to have the incentive to do that because the individual is going to be providing it to the individual is your incentive you know you provide it to the individual because the individual has the means to be able to accept that innovation and, and where the problem comes in is the exchange um, so it's not based off of um, you know the, a person getting money and then exchanging it for the service but rather that the person is empowered with an allowance of tapping into innovations that will improve their their circumstance or their situation and companies can build these innovations and provide it to those people and then what this allows for is it says you know keep the basic innovation right that provides this but then you can have it allows for premium quality and, and those are the things that people, you know, pay for. And then when people aren't, you know, having to uh, invest in, in uh, the basic innovation, they have the money free to pay for the upgrades, right? And then that's where companies can really make more money because they already have the customer base in the basis, right? Of their innovation already being, you know, in part of in the lives of the individual they're using it. And those are the best people to be able to, you know, upsell and say, hey, well, you know, I know you already have this innovation, but we have this great um, over-the-air update that we can send to you. It costs us, you know, a little bit of money to invest in it, but man, it has these great powers and features and, you know, it doesn't take a lot of reconfiguration. Um, if it's over-the-air updates, I mean, it doesn't take any infrastructure changes. Your system is already ready and prepared to take this on. It's just changing the way that it, you know, computes and outputs, and and so that empowers people to say, oh wow, like I have extra money in my life now, 
I don't have to pay for, you know, an exorbitant amount of living expenses. Like I have the money to invest in that. And I want to invest in that because, wow, I can see all these great benefits because that's what the company is showing me. All these great benefits are there. And then it goes into like, you can't like be picky and choosy about it and say like, well, we're only going to allow this innovation from this company to be able to you know, have the contract to be able to provide these innovations for people that can't play favorites in this sense. That doesn't provide opportunities for development and growth. Like it, what it should be is that every individual is empowered with the capacity to make the decision of what innovation is going to be best suiting their special needs and circumstances. And that companies should be able to compete for that interest, which comes into the whole, you know, proper intended use of capitalism is to to meet the the needs of those people and no one product is going to be able to meet the needs of all people but it's going to be able to meet a large enough amount that it's going to create a stream of of users and customers that that's going to help and and if that company wants to create a new line of products that can serve more interests then they will and they'll get more customers in that case but in the sense is like it allows like even small companies like huge corporations but even small companies that can provide you know this vital innovation into the lives of the individual the individual can choose you know i want to help out my local economy my local community by using this innovation opposed to the innovation of a large company you know even though it might be a little bit more expensive and maybe not have as many bells and whistles or many you know sticker attachments with price you know of great benefits or whatever or you know bonus gifts or whatever that come along with it that a lot of large, large corporations can afford because they become so large with resources that they can divvy it out in those sorts of ways but somebody can intentionally decide well I want to you know benefit this local uh, person because it's going to help my local community and and improve those people that live in my area and so it's giving the individual the choice to make the decision on what innovations that they want, but limiting it to like what the innovations are supposed to accomplish. You know, it, it should be accomplishing a more sustainable way of life. You know, it should be saving energy, saving money, saving time. Um, it should also be, you know, uh, reducing waste um, and reducing pollution. And so, you know, there should be certain criteria for the innovation to meet, but the individual should be empowered with the choice to decide which innovation that meets that criteria that they're going to actually want to, to use. And then it allows people to, the people, instead of the companies or governments who would be allowing this to happen, be the individual who gets to play favorites, you know, and they can support those things that they believe truly believe in. And that makes it easier for people to accept this because it's not the government saying this is what you get and you don't throw a fit. Like the idea of, of changing, like this seems to be off subject, but it's definitely on subject in the sense of like um, the, the idea of, of dictating people's choices, you know, like. The, the government has the food stamp program and on that food stamp program you can use government funds on a card to be able to purchase uh, food and 
in certain contexts what type of food that you can buy at certain stores that are part of the program program excuse me and um, you know that provides you with food and then there's these talks of changing that program to say you know we're just gonna we're gonna hand you boxes of food every month that you know that's the food that we think you should be having and what that's doing is, is first of all eliminating the choice for people to eat what they want and saying like no we're gonna give you food but you can only eat what we want and it's turning into to dictating uh, how the government's gonna serve the people who need this supplement opposed to the people taking advantage of the supplement to um, make the choices of the things that they would want actually want in their life you know um, then it doesn't you know make the government have to consider dietary restrictions like the person already knows their dietary restrictions they already know their preferences they're going to make decisions based off of their tastes and their aversions what you're empowering them with is the capacity to make that choice and really that's what this is talking about in the sense of the universal basic innovation is that you're empowering individuals to make the choice of of what's going to best suit their lives but what we're serving to is the ends that you're going to be imparting an innovation in their life that's going to add quality it's going to add uh, convenience it's going to add um, uh, resource efficiency which is a tremendous thing for society um, it's going to provide you with the lifestyle convenience to make sure that we live in a sustainable world instead of trying to force everybody to conform to uh, not using plastic bags plastic bags just aren't a part of our process anymore you know eliminate that as even being an option and you do so by providing a more appropriate option that replaces it in um, in a convenient way for people to accept and live in that new paradigm right where we live in a world without plastic bags um, it's the same thing with with innovation is we no longer live in a world where we have um, an inefficient refrigerator system that um, doesn't really preserve our food and, and doesn't really and it takes up a lot of energy instead we use this innovation that preserves our food well and doesn't take a lot of energy not only does it improve the efficiency of our demand for the uh, energy and um, electricity and not only does it in improve our uh, capacity to maintain food so it doesn't spoil um, on the back end it means that we require less food to be grown in order to meet the demands of feeding people and then we don't have a large incorporation of trash waste going to landfills and the sense of like innovation universal basic innovation is a great way to be able to reduce our impact in, in landfills that innovation could be something that makes it so that the individual has less um, trash that they create so that landfills become a thing that don't even exist anymore that everything becomes so um, recyclable, reducible, and reusable that we close the loop of not having to have this external thing that we go and we 
throw things out of. And then it no longer becomes a part of somebody's mental capacity to make the smart choices about, am I reducing my carbon footprint? Or am I reducing my waste output? It's naturally part of the system and they don't even have to think about it. It's just built in, you know. That, and that's, the, that's the beauty of the innovation that, you know, I, I believe that we should empower in the lives of the individual. And so, and then when you think about it, it becomes a thing that we, we don't have to invest in every single month, right? So universal basic innova uh, innovation compared to universal basic income. Universal basic income says that I'm going to give you $1,000 a month and you're going to spend it, right? Universal basic innovation says that I'm going to give you, impart into your life, give you uh, this innovation that is going to help you to sustain a sustainable way of life. And you're not going to have to worry about how to pay for that system. You know, it's just going to be there. And, and the system's going to be secured and it's going to be maintained. And all you have to do is participate in it. And it's going to ensure that you live a quality life and it's a sustainable life. And it's going to greatly improve your life and reduce your, you know, environmental impact. And it's just like thinking about you invest in this this initial investment for the innovation and then it, it lasts for a long time you know and, and it encourages for you know this innovation to be developed in a way that lasts has more longevity built into it and over time it continues to evolve in that so it says you invest today in a, in a solar panel that's going to last for 10 years of providing you with all the energy that you need to supplement your energy use in your house. After that 10 years, it's no longer gonna be efficient for that gain. So in that time, we're gonna invest in a, a new you know, solar system. But at that time, surely technology has improved because it's been pushed in that direction. You know, more um, or development has occurred through iterations. And so, while you may have, you know, the system, you know, initially invested in and it lasts for 10 years and in 10 years you have to get a new system, but that new system is probably going to be cheaper and more affordable and more efficient and have a better output. And so and you're not paying for every single month for the system. You're making, you're making an initial investment in it and it's providing you with this intentional result because of it not giving you money and then saying I hope you make good use of this it's like I'm gonna give you the means to have this innovation that put to its proper intended use is going to benefit your life and the lives of others you know and, and the collective environment and all of this and so um, well it, it can be broken down into like a daily price or a monthly you know uh, price that sure might eventually add up to a thousand dollars but uh, if you add in enough of the innovations from all these different realms. But what it's doing is it's sharing that cost with the collective society. Like everybody is benefiting from this. So um, the more people that participate and contribute to it, the more people can participate and contribute to it. So by you using this system and involving yourself in it, it gets other people it gives a capacity for other people to involve in it. It's pushing that progress, right? And it's supplementing our lives in a way where it's not like a dependency, like, 
you know, I'm waiting for somebody to give me alms or feel pity for me in my special circumstance that allows me to tap into this, you know, this social welfare support system so that I can get a little help, you know, to keep my head above the water. It's instead like I'm empowered because of this, this societal choice that we're investing in our future and that everybody's going to have these uh, socioeconomic and technological gains and benefits by incorporating these into their lives. And it's going to push the progress of innovation so that we can continue to develop new innovations. And it's instead of, it, it's kind of like paying a subsidy to a, a subsidy, government subsidy to a company so that they can develop new innovations. They're going to improve people's lives, right? Instead of paying directly to the company, you're paying to the individual who's going to rely on the company to provide the innovations that those people are going to be able to use. And so it, it pushes both ends, you know, it, it it's, begins with the end user. And then, and then pushes forward so that the company can actually um, have every justification to start producing these these quality innovations that are going to achieve these ends. And because you know society needs it, and that there's an economic means for people to be able to afford it, companies are going to be able to have every justification to be able to establish these things. And so, it's not just putting it in the realm of. Uh, jump-starting our economy, but it's also putting it in the realm of improving the human condition, you know? And so when I think about this, is like, this is the means that I envision that we can intentionally uh, achieve the 17 Sustainable Development Goals authored by the UN. And these Sustainable Development Goals, of course, are... Um, a set of goals that the UN established that said if we achieve these these goals then we'll have an effectively we'll have an ever more healthy sustainable just and peaceful world this benefits everybody but you know there's lots of different companies and corporations and individuals and organizations and nonprofits all working towards achieving this but the problem is that there's not necessarily a means for people to uh individually get involved to actually be a part of the solution right and we, we always say that that saying of like um if you're not a part of the solution you're the problem or you know uh like if you're not out there involving yourself and doing the right thing then obviously you're doing the wrong thing um but it's like people don't know what to do and and you can sit there and in lecture them all you want and uh you know train people to to have good habits and, and and behaviors but um it's much easier and you're gonna get more involvement if you just make it super simple for people just to involve themselves in this right so the idea of the sustainable development goals is to create a world where there's no poverty zero hunger good health and well-being quality education, gender equality, clean water and sanitation, affordable and clean energy, decent work and economic growth, industry, innovation and infrastructure, reduced inequalities, sustainable cities and communities, responsible consumption and production, climate action, 
life below water, life on land, and in the sense of life below water and life on land is actually caring for um, and taking those things into consideration and doing what's best for them, um, then peace and justice and strong institutions and, of course, partnership for the goals, you know, just brings it all together. And the thing about universal basic innovation is that the innovation embodies these qualities. Some innovations could embody all 17 of these. Some of them, it's only going to be like two. Um, that at the very least, it's going to be two because it's either going to solve one of these these goals, achieve one of these goals, and become a partnership for the goals, or it's going to, um, at the very least, be a partnership for the goal. Um, but the innovations in themselves can achieve these sorts of things. Um, just like a, a garden provides food, provide the food to the people, the people aren't hungry, zero hunger, right? Um, that may in some senses mean per, uh, creating gardens that people have at their houses that they can maintain on their own, even if they're not, they don't have a green thumb, you know, be such a, an efficient automated innovation system that it just grows itself and you benefit from it. And you can grow enough food to feed yourself in a whole community with just a five by five space, you know, if you do it right. And and so that's the whole thing is like if if an innovation exists that can be this like passive way to be able to grow your own food in, in, in abundance where it will provide what you need and then probably access to be able to share and trade with other people, you create this system of, of ensuring that well, that person has food taken care of, one less thing they have to worry about, right? Um, same thing with like no poverty if poverty is is a basis of you know the disadvantages in the world um and i understand that they like to you know weigh and measure it based off of like if you make less than such a like a dollar a day or something like that then then you're considered in poverty um but really what it means is that you are are stuck in survival mode every day and that your entire world is focused on survival and that you don't have the time or the means to be able to build any sort of quality of life to be able to thrive from. That's what I consider poverty as. And, you know, it, it, it of course comes as a direct result of various things like, you know, uh, decrepit communities that are falling apart because they don't, they, they lack the organization and basic infrastructure to provide the services that are necessary to be able to maintain a quality of life within society. And a lot of those things are, are inhibited because people don't have the capacity to take risks for higher things and be able to start businesses because they're so forced into this constant struggle for survival. When you empower the innovations into the lives of the individual that provides for the basic necessities of life, you know, when you think about uh, the uh, hierarchy of needs, right, like provide the people, you know, with food and shelter and, and clothing, these sorts of things, then they have the ability to eventually move on to the concern of their own self-actualization, which, you know, benefits them because, you know, to self-actualize isn't a selfish thing. It really isn't. It's, it's a way to, to find your place in the world, to recognize your own significance and to apply yourself accordingly, you know, and, and that's to benefit other people. So, you know, adding innovation into life 
solves the poverty poverty problem you know may not be like immediate in the sense where it solves it for everybody but as soon as that's imparted into the life of the individual you now free them up you give them free space to be able to evolve into that thriving mode and as you empower people with the innovation what it frees them up it also frees up those closest to them to not have to worry so much be concerned about things so much or or live in desperation mode that it allows them to sigh of relief right but they can focus on other things it, it for instance in in a family that's struggling to get by where like a single mom is is trying to make ends meet and like her kids go out and work so they can help bring money into the family it's like those kids no longer have the time to be able to stay in school and focus on their studies so that they can have a better opportunity in life in the future like if that family was just taken care of with this support through innovation then the kids can focus on being kids and the mom can focus on being a mom and then we have a society built of, of families who are empowered to care and, and to love and, and to be families and to form those bonds, which creates better people in society, you know? It creates people who no longer have to go out and fight these control dramas and, and struggle for power and it's a dog-eat-dog world. It literally, like, it empowers people with love and, and appreciation and gratitude and and gives them a chance to be able to give that to other people. And so universal basic innovation has the capacity to, to achieve these goals, you know, individually or, 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 or on multiple levels. And that's where there's a huge difference between universal basic income. You can give me money and, and, and I can apply it to, let's say, going to college so that I can get a quality education. But that does nothing to improve my circumstances if I'm living in a house that d doesn't have the means for uh, clean water and sanitation or I can't afford to keep my lights on, you know? And so there's always a catch somewhere, like... Money is never going to be enough. But innovation can continuously be improved upon so that it can be, be increased to be enough, you know? At least in this regard. And, and it'll save you a little bit here so that you can afford attentions elsewhere, you know? And, and when you're investing in it being like, okay, you have the innovation for your energy, you have an innovation for a house that has all sustainable appliances, appliances, your, you know, waste going out is, is reduced, so hey, you don't have to pay for garbage anymore, um, society in general doesn't have to pay for the infrastructure for garbage to exist, you know, I'm sure all of the garbage men in the world are going to be so depressed that they no longer have a job to go and play with trash all day, um, but they don't have to worry about the fact that that job doesn't exist anymore, because hey, first of all, they're totally taken care of. They have the universal basic innovation that provides for their basic needs of society so that they can live not just in struggle survival mode, but they can live in thriving mode. And it buys them time to be like, hey, you know, I didn't always want to be a garbage man. I actually wanted to become an engineer. And now I have the time, the money, the attention to be able to invest myself in being able to do that. You know? And so it pays it forward to, to for more allowances, more choices, more decisions 
Whereas money is, is based not on giving you options, but giving you a little bit more capacity to make decisions, you know? Um, and, and there's no way to ensure that that's an informed decision that's going to benefit anybody else. I say if we are going to invest taxes in order to, to give everybody an advantage, that that advantage should actually be something that's going to, in turn, also improve the collective advantage, right? And so this is why I support the concept of universal basic innovation opposed to universal basic income. And, I mean, they, they run along very similar lines as far as, like, you know, um, how it would be going about instead of like giving everybody a credit card every month that you know on on the first or the fifth or the 15th or whatever you're going to have a deposit of this amount of money to come into your bank rather it says you have a uh, you have um kind of like an investment account that can go towards applying for the the innovations that you need at the moment opposed to uh, the costs that you have in the sense of like monthly expenses so you can choose this month um, that you have uh, a certain amount of income coming in for innovation. Um, you're not made to pay some huge upfront cost. Um, you just have to kind of like join in the, the, the monthly payment for it. Um, and the, the cost overall is you know, taken care of because it's like a promissory note that the, the, you know, government-backed funding says to the company, like, give this person the innovation and we'll make sure you get paid every month. And it's coming into this, like, mutual contract with everybody involved, you know? And so the person, if they say, you know what, that, that company or this product is, is just not working out for me, I, I want to upgrade to something different then it allows the government to say, okay, we're going to make a new arrangement, a new contract to be able to provide this new innovation for the individual. But it also, you know, understands that innovation is going to evolve and develop. So it's about um, incentivizing individuals to kind of like stick with their commitments. Like, uh, for instance, to say that, you know, you can change your mind about using a certain product, but... Um, the more that you continue to use that product, the more that you're going to be investing in your, um, you know, your future allowance, basically saying that uh, if you stick with this plan for the next 10 years at the 10 year mark, then you can upgrade to this premium level, um, which allows you more access to more things. And so it's not... Uh, you know, making everybody be like, I need the, the next best thing right now. Um, it's also in, in uh, incentivizing individuals to stick with, you know, innovations um, so that 
in time that you can upgrade to way better innovations. And um, then it also allows for, you know, uh, for governments to not regulate, but hold accountable um, companies accountable to their promises. You know, if you say that you're providing this to people, the government saying, all right, if you're going to provide this innovation, we're going to provide you with the means to to give that to people. Um, But we need you know, to be able to measure that, that, you know, how, how, how are we measuring that in the terms of like, are you actually achieving what you say that you're doing? Um, you know, and it's incentivizing the, the, the trust in, in innovation that companies should be instilling in their products, you know, that, that reliability. And of course, you know, I could go on about this forever I've already gone on about it for a really long time but I think when I'm the point that I'm trying to get at is that uh, we can make a decision to to do something for the collective that we believe will help to eliminate some of the gaps within our society um, these pitfalls that people fall into which you know make it so some of us are struggling and we're disadvantaged um, to bring them up to a standard um, of living where we don't have to worry about them anymore um, so that we can you know, all just move on with our lives to focus on other things. And then we don't have a reason to bicker, fight, and argue because of the disadvantages that are there or the exploitations of those disadvantages, um, which is causing a lot of the, the factions and the rifts and, and the uh, separations within society that... Uh, are making things dysfunctional and keeping us from being able to come together as a collective and really work together towards a common core purpose. Um, where I believe that uh, money is is a tool that can help us to achieve things. I believe that it's better to use money by means of investing in certain outcomes than it is to give money to people so that they can um, uh, apply to things that may not hold any real true substance. There's more to behold and to be held if you are allowing individuals this opportunity this golden door of opportunity, right, um, to become a better version of themselves and better version of, of citizens and society than to just give people throw money at the problem, <laughs> you know? Like, I don't believe that's something that we as a society should collectively justify, is just giving people money. I believe that giving people opportunity is much better and within innovation is opportunity is opportunity for for uh, the best version of the individual and the best version of society there's collective betterment within that it's an investment not only in ourselves but in our posterity um whereas there will never be enough money in the world to solve our problems there will always always be enough innovation to overcome the challenges that we face and so long as we continue to apply ourselves and participate and contribute and invest in that type of uh, positive progress 
for our posterity or to ourselves and our posterity, right? Uh, we will be achieving what I believe that the collective society agreements in society is trying to achieve is an ever more healthy, sustainable, just, and peaceful world. And that peace, that peace is attained by us not having to worry about the little things. Don't sweat the small stuff, right? That stuff's taken care of. You know, let's take risks for higher things. Let's focus on the, the, the bigger problems, you know? I want to see society get to the point where everybody is thriving, you know, and it will happen in time as we continue to participate and contribute. More of us will be able to become involved and more of us will benefit from it. And there will eventually be a time where I see society not worrying about our, our survival in the sense of like, you know, how am I going to eat today or how am I going to protect myself from the elements, you know, basic things that people today deal with as a problem. But to deal with the, the grander problem of like, you know, how do we advance civilization to become more technologically advanced? You know, and how do we do that peacefully in, in a way where we're evolving that benefits uh, everybody involved? You know, mutual reciprocity, mutual interest, mutual success. I believe that innovation, which is not just a technology, but it's also... A service it's, it's an idea it's it's a way of doing stuff a process like innovation is dynamic it's not just one thing you know don't just think of it as like technology but think of it as a way of being these are all things that we can empower individuals to invest into incorporate into their lives become a better version and uh, thus society in turn will become a better version of itself so that's where I stand with that. I believe that that's how we achieve sustainable development. That's how we will achieve the sustainable development goals. That's how we're going to be able to achieve an ever more healthy, sustainable, just, and peaceful society. And I believe also in, you know, my grand view of the vision of what's to come, that's our best way. It's the fundamental framework by which we can achieve a multi-planetary civilization which I believe is the best version of humanity. And it's all aligned and in tuned with each other. You know, it's hitched together. It's like it achieves all of the things that are necessary and all the components. It's piecing and parting all of these things and, and unifying them into one collective cohesive application by which everybody can be involved and impart into their lives and, and achieve those sorts of things. And then we all become a part of the solution rather than, you know, contributors to a problem. So, it's not the end of it, of course, uh, but that's about all that I have to say for now. Uh, and from there, I guess I invite individuals to ask more questions to you know I guess probe and penetrate into the fundamental ideas that are behind this that could actually help it to be initiated within society and shift the paradigm you know that's my ultimate goal is to facilitate and initiate a collective cultural shift 
of the whole of humanity to become in line and in tuned with an ever more healthy, sustainable, just and peaceful world so that people can become self-sufficient, self-sustaining, free and independent people living in a malleable, adaptable, mobile and efficient way of life in a society that is spacefaring and multi-planetary in striving for interstellar capabilities, which is to say that we're pushing out the uh, lengths of progress to reach the highest height that we can fathom right now. Yeah, so with that, that's all I have for now. Be well.